It's good to see everyone. It's been a, I don't know how I got through last night. It was so stormy and cold. You know, like when it's one day in the whole year that it's cold in the city, you celebrate it. So everyone's been waiting for winter and we finally got it. So this is exciting. So we're going to be over the next few weeks unpacking the vision series. And I think last week was really just a highlight. And uh, we got a little bit of feedback from some people and they say, would you preach longer? And I'm like, that's probably the first time in history that anyone's ever asked a, a, a pastor to preach longer. So guys, we're here for the next two, three hours. If it's your first time, that's how we do things here. I'll make you regret saying that. No, I'm just kidding. Um, but really, I just think to sometimes skim over what God, what God has called us to and the things that he's placed in our heart. Uh, it won't sink into all of our hearts. And I believe that God wants to give us a vision uh, so massive that we can run it. And I spoke last week a little bit about Abraham's vision, that in order for God to show him how big his vision was, he had to take him outside and show him the stars. He couldn't stay inside a tent. He couldn't stay inside of his comfort zone. He had to step out of his comfort zone so he can look up at the stars and see the bigness and the vastness to which God has called him to. The Bible says we, we, the, the promises of Abraham are ours, that, that, that we as a church are called to be a blessing to nations. We set this church up to bless this city and to bless the nations of this world. And it's an amazing privilege to see how the church has grown. And we looked at some of the story last week, looking back over six years, what God has done, but also looking forward to the next 20 to 100 years, we, I, I keep saying to Stala, we've got a 100-year vision because I still believe after 100 years, the church should be strong enough and even stronger than it was when we first started. And I think Lebo, the guy who led worship, which he was great, um, last week he just had a picture of almost like the history books being written and, 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 and City Lights and the people of City Lights writing in the history books. And in 100 years' time, we're going to look back and say, there was a church that did not back down, that came out even though it was freezing cold, um, that, uh, that went on a men's camp even though they're not sure if the winds are going to hold our tent or we're going to blow our tents away. But and on a serious note, we, we're a church that, that stood firm. And I looked at, uh, there's this guy who leads a church in, in the UK and everyone would ask him every year, what's your vision? What's your vision for the church? And he says, my vision is we are the church and we're going to remain here. And uh, the church for me is going to ever expand and grow larger and bigger. And we live in one of the most transient cities in the world. So we're going to always have new faces. Uh, for those who go for two, three weeks, you come back and you realize, oh, wow, the church has changed. That is the nature of Dubai. But what an incredible, incredible privilege we have to, to have the gospel come in and, and, and knit people's hearts together, change hearts. So eventually, wherever you go to, this may be a stop-off point to someone, or maybe you're going back to your own home, that God has called you to be on mission, not only in this city, but in the city that He's planned for you in the future. And, uh, and that's why we've got this whole thing right, the future. Amy is currently working on some of the artwork that's going to be painted. Uh, so all the visions that you guys wrote... Last week was super exciting. Some of you put names on there. Uh, the one guy was world domination or girl. Maybe, I don't know. There was no name on it. But there's normally a guy that would say something like that. Uh, but there were some incredible, incredible things that people wrote. And, some, and also some very durable things. It wasn't like visions that were so out there that's impossible. It's like, actually, I want to lead a community group. Wow. That's amazing. We need 
to double, if not triple, the size of our community groups in order for the growth that God is going to be sending us and has been sending us. And I think part of the reason why we, we, we kind of stay around this size is because, number one, we need more leaders. Number two, we need a bigger space, which is what we're praying for and longing for. And Stalin and I looked at a couple of places this, this past week. There's some exciting stuff around the corner. I want you to just, as a community, just keep praying. Saying, God, just would you open doors where things are impossible? Would you make it possible? Let's carry this thing together. This is not four or five of us. This is all of us together engaged that, you know, when we move into something bigger, greater, larger, with, with more reach, with coffee shops, with all of these exciting things that God has called us to do, you were part of that because you not only prayed, but you also sowed into it. And uh, this is an incredible, incredible future. I'm super, super excited. I wake up every morning excited because God wants to do something in and through the church. We are the church. I spoke last week that the church is the ecclesia, which is the called out ones. It's, 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 a, it's a military term as well as an old Greek term where it's, it's the called out people of God called to be in community and to change the society that they're in. That is us. We're not a, we're not a Friday Christianity. We're an we're a, we're a everyday Christian. And we, and we come and we bring absolute change to wherever we find ourselves. So today I'm talking on being a people of faith. So can you turn your Bibles to Hebrews 11 verse 1. I encourage you to bring your Bibles to church so you know that what I'm saying is true. And uh, you can underline it. It's okay to draw in your Bible. You don't add to scripture, but you can underline and make notes around it. It's cool. Um, I still like the old school Bible, but if whatever you like, you can use. I want to read the scripture, make a few comments, talk about the character of God, talk about the promises of God, and then talk about how we grow in our faith. Now, I know Carl spoke about doubt, which is in many ways the opposite of faith, but he spoke about how we can actually grow out of a place of doubt into a place of faith. Especially a lot of us come from kind of modern secular backgrounds where we, where we, uh, with kind of the idea of God is maybe a thing of the past. But I think we can logically get to the point of that God is obviously real. He exists and he rewards those who diligently seek him, which the Bible says. But um, I mean, for me, just go, go have a, a great time out in the desert or go out into nature. We've been to Jabal Akhtar. Who's been out there in Oman? Incredible, incredible place. We went there last summer. It was 42 degrees at the bottom and was 26 at the top and was incredibly beautiful it was so silent like it was actually deafening do you know that silence where it almost presses on your ears uh Stella had and I had it felt like two weeks but we were only there for one night because that's all we could afford but you go there and you realize God is a God who's perfect and he's made creation perfect and he's made this this the 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 the, the God is an artist is just absolutely incredible so we can marvel at what man has done but what God has done is incredible and uh, we can easily deduce that God is real and he, He's alive. And we, we believe that He came and revealed Himself through Scripture. He came and revealed Himself to people in the Bible who wrote Scripture, wrote about stories. This is not a manual that we, we follow, but it's, it's the story of God. From Genesis to Revelation, it's, it's the picture of who God is amongst us. It started with the Abraham, the, the calling of Abraham. It, it moves on to people of Israel. Jesus came out of that. He, he incarnated. God Himself came and lived with us, showed what He looked like. And then from there, the church was birthed, the Holy Spirit came, and we're living in this place where we can be, we can represent who God is to, to the nation. So I'm talking on faith today, 11 verse 1, it says, now faith 
is the assurance of things hoped for. Say hope for. The conviction, say conviction, of things not seen. For by it, the people of old received their commendation. By faith, we understood that the universe was created by the word of God, so that what is seen was not made of things that are, that are, that are visible. That is the way God works. That is the way faith works. It's believing in something we cannot see, but be so sure about the belief that we stake our life on it. That is an incredible thing. That is, we're a faith people. And if we want to walk into the future that God has for us, not only in our lives, but as a community, we have to understand that everything is by faith. Faith is the language of the kingdom. It's the way we speak to God. It's, we're going to read 9, 11 verse 6 and said, um, Hebrews eleven six, And without faith, it is impossible to please God. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and he rewards those who seek him. What an incredible promise. That if we just believe God exists and he rewards those who seek him, well, that's just an, an amazing thing. I'm not talking doctrines, and I believe doctrine and theology is good, and we, we teach that in the church, and we need to go deep into that, and we need to understand what we believe, how we believe, and why we believe, all of that stuff. But what, if we're looking at face value here, it's like we can seek God. If we believe that he exists, he rewards us. And we obviously, we know that the fulfillment of, of who God is and how he showed himself to the planet was in Jesus Christ. And we believe in Jesus emphatically here. He is the absolute center of everything. I just want to just break that apart. It says, Hebrews 11.1, one says, Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. So for me, complete confidence comes from two things. It comes from the promises of God, and it comes from the character of God. And we can base and stake our lives on those things. They aren't seen, we can't touch them, we can't feel them, but they, they become a bedrock in our lives. This, the, and this, this thing of faith is, and I think we can grow in our faith in God. It shouldn't just be like, okay, we just enter in, okay, we just believe enough to get saved, and then we kind of carry on with our life. God has called up all of us to grow in faith, to step out in faith, which is what I'm going to talk about later. Secular faith is this, seeing is believing. You have so many people who, and I was listening to a debate yesterday, uh, Stephen Colbert and uh, Ricky Gervais. Ricky Gervais is a, a agnostic, he calls himself an agnostic atheist, um, which I think he's a little bit confused there. Um, and then Ricky, uh, sorry, Stephen Colbert is, is a, is a, is a born-again Catholic man, and he believes emphatically around the Scriptures, and he believes God exists, and he believes in the, tr- the Trinity, and that we can only come to God through Jesus Christ. And they sat there, and they were debating, and, and it's almost Stephen Colbert was asking Ricky Gervais questions that he had no answers to. And I think the, the whole thing... I'm getting ahead of myself. So, he, so Ricky Gervais' thing is, that, is the, the whole secular belief. Show me and prove it to me and I'll believe it. And that is the opposite of faith. And we have to settle that in our hearts. I think there's enough that God has left on this earth for us to know that he exists, he's real, that his, that his, that his Bible is true, that it's real. Just go, you can go study all of that stuff. There's enough in there. But we, we are people that, that have biblical faith, which is we don't see yet we still believe. We don't see God now, but we can see God working. I've been leading this church now for six years, and I've seen God work in people's lives. 
I've seen the Holy Spirit do miraculous things in people's lives that had nothing to do with me. Simply, sometimes it's a prayer before I go to bed. I say, God, would you help that person? I wake up the next day, everything's changed. It's not something I could do. It's only by the miracle of God. There's miracles that are, are happening in this house where people have been healed from sicknesses, where, where, where people who weren't able to fall pregnant fell pregnant. There's, there's miracles that are happening. So I can see God at work. The world, that's almost not good enough. Well, they want to like, see and believe. They want to be like the Thomas in some ways, and they want to be able to see Jesus. And that's not, that's not faith. I love what it says here in John 20, verse 29. It says, Then Jesus told them, Because you have seen me, you have believed. But blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. That is us. We haven't seen Jesus physically, but yet by faith we believe that he's real, he exists, he walks amongst us, his word is true, we can base and stake our lives on it. Faith is a confidence in God. And it's my heart, goal, and life to see people become more confident in God and grow in more faith in God. That, that, there's nothing else that I want to see. I want to see people just start to, to step out in faith and realize that God is real, that God exists, that God steps in on behalf of us. So let's, let's just look quickly at the character of God. And we don't have time to go through all of it. I have sent this to Jenny, is going to send it in detail to the community group, so you can go deeper in that this week. But I want to look briefly at the character of God, because I think if we're going to stake our faith on Him and on His life, so this is what God's revealed about Himself. Number one, God is good. Simple but profound truth. He is a Father that loves us, that walks amongst us, that uh, when Jesus came to reveal the Father, if you look at Jesus, before Jesus, there was no kind of mention of the, the Father heart of God. Jesus brings this Father and Son relationship. God is a personal spirit. God is all-powerful. There's a theological word there, it's omnipotent. Jeremiah 32, verse 17, it says, O sovereign Lord, you have made the heavens and the earth by your great power. Nothing is too hard for you. God is ever-present, which is omnipresent. Psalm 139, it says, Where can I go uh, from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. I think it's up behind me. That's great, actually. Um, God knows everything. He's omniscient. He determines the course of world events. He removes kings and sets others on the throne is interesting what's happening around the world today. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to the scholars. And what I believe is this, is that this God, is, is, his overall will is working out. There's obviously free will of man that comes into plan. There's a, there's a whole bunch of things that I don't think we can understand this side of eternity. But ultimately, God is working out his will. And I can tell you what he works out his will in and through many is his kingdom. And the agents of his kingdom is his, is his church and his local church. We are the salt and the light. If the church disappeared off this planet, which is the body of Christ, this world will fall apart. Because, obviously, God, it's the way he's planned to do it. Uh, God is love. He doesn't just love, he is love. Psalm 62, one thing God has spoken, two things I've heard. Power belongs to you, God, and with you, O Lord, is unfailing love. Your reward, you reward everyone according to what they have done. I've written a, a bunch more, which we don't have time to go through. God is sovereign. God is holy. God is uh, absolute truth. God is righteous. God is just. God is faithful. And God is merciful. 
And I think we need to build a picture of who God is according to Scripture, according to the Word of God into our lives. So His thoughts become our thoughts. And we start to change and we see the, the worldview from where, where, where God is painting the picture out of the Bible. Let's just look at the promises. I'm going to list these. And I think I, I, they are going to be behind me. But I, it's, if we're going to believe in God and believe who He is, obviously His character, we're going to believe in also the promises that He's, that he's staked in Scripture. These are a few. There's obviously so many promises. I remember um, when I first came back to God, my mom gave me a little book. It's called The Bible Promise Book. I encourage anyone to get that. I've looked for it before. I cannot find it anywhere. But it's just this little book that's become almost falling apart in my cupboard. And it just speaks about the promises of God. And I just used to read it over and over until I started reading the Bible properly. That became my Bible. And I just, I let the Word of God change me. The, the Word, the Bible says, is a double-edged sword. It, it, comes in and it comes in and changes every single part of us. It says, promises of God in the New Testament. Okay. God promised salvation to all who believe in His Son. He promised that all things will work out for good for His children. God promised comfort in our trials. God has promised new life in Christ. You can say amen if you believe it. Uh, God promised every spiritual blessing in Christ. God promised to finish the work He has started in us. God promised peace when we pray. God promised to supply all of our needs. We need to believe this. When it's tough times that are coming and like you've lost a job and things are going bad, what, what, where do we go back to? Do we go back to, and like Stala says, try and make our own plan? Or do we go back to the scriptures and say, God supplies all my needs? That he cares about the, 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 the birds in the field and he looks after them. How much more will he care about us, his creation and his children and his sons and daughters? God will never fail you. His promises will never fail you. You can stake your life on it. Jesus promised he promised us rest. Jesus promised us abundant life. I've covered that a couple of weeks ago. To those who follow him. Jesus promised eternal life to those who trust in him. That's an incredible thing. I, I just think of the story of Noah, and that's listed in, this, in, in Hebrews. But he was building this ark that uh, the people of the day, they like, had barely seen rain. I don't know how it all kind of worked out there, but they're looking and they're mocking this guy and, and they said, well, God's told me to do it. And it's, in a sense, it's like that as, as Christians. We believe in something we can't see. We obviously see the effects in our life. I know Jesus is real because he's changed me. There's, there's enough, obviously, scripture. There's, there's enough apologetics we can see that, that Jesus is real. But the world looks on and almost mockingly looks at us. Oh, well, you just believe. I said, well, that's all I have. Because what I see around me is, is going is to fall away and fade away. And what, there is something more real that we do not see, almost behind the curtain. Jesus promised his, uh, Jesus promised his disciples power from on high. And I think there's been such an amazing restoration. I'm going to talk about the Holy Spirit in a few weeks' time. But there's been such an incredible restoration of an understanding of the gifts and the Holy Spirit in the last 50 to 60 years. There's, there's been a charismatic renewal. A um, hundred years ago, Azusa Street Revival happened where there was almost like the rejected of society in the day. God poured out His Spirit on them. That We are still seeing the effects of that on the earth today where hundreds of thousands of churches were planted. Millions of people were saved. It's been the biggest move of God in the past 200 years where God moved. There was the Welsh revival. Don't know if you guys have heard about that where this one young man, uh, Evan Roberts, prayed for I think it was 12 years for revival to break out in Wales and, and, and revival came. 
to the point where 100,000 people were saved. They were shutting down bars. There was just absolute revival happening. And then you have those moves of God. In the past 50, 60 years, there's been a charismatic renewal where, where the Spirit of God has been allowed to move into churches. And the problem is often men can get very clever and they can do church and they can do all of this and we can miss out what the Spirit's actually doing. And we can get together and we're happy and we're doing good things and none of it is of the Spirit. It's, oh, it's according to the Word. Yes, that's true, but the Holy Spirit authored the Word. And, uh, and I think as a church, and we're going to give just a time at the end of all of our meetings just to wait on Him. Wait on the Holy Spirit to come and move. If, if we believe the Scripture to be true, that he, that he gives us power from on high, then surely we can wait for it and we can see God actually move amongst us. Two weeks ago, I know when Stala preached, he said it was powerful, the, just the ministry time afterwards, where God was just filling people with His presence. People were, were having their hearts changed and, and, and molded to Him. And I just think that's what we need. We need the Holy Spirit more and more in our meetings. Jesus promised that He will return for us. I love 2 Corinthians 1.20. It says, no matter how many promises God has made, there are yes in Christ. And so through him, the amen is spoken to us for the glory of God. Amen is let it be. That in Jesus Christ, this is all fulfilled. The promises of God, what he has promised to, to, to us as a people, what he's promised us in the New Testament and promised us in the Old Testament, there's stuff that we don't just, okay, it's Old Testament, we throw out. There's stuff that, that, that moves across the New Testament and we can claim as us. And we can, we can read these things out. And, and God, if God promises health and, and um, health over our lives, we can speak it out. I know there's, there's people that have been sick that have literally just spoken the word of God over their lives and they've become healed. We need to believe this. We need to believe. I love Smith Wigglesworth. I was reading some of his stuff last night. And he just said it's only belief. If, if we as Christians would just kind of try to remove this, this part here and just kind of just get, let it kind of sink into our hearts and we believe that God wants to do all of these things, we'll start to see God manifest amongst us. And my heart is that we would become known as a church of faith. Faith people. Faith for the impossible. Not just venues and stuff like that that's going to cause us to grow, but faith to see people healed. Faith to see the, the dead raised. Faith to see uh, orphanages set up across third world nations. Faith for these incredible, incredible things. There's two kinds of faith. Number one, there's a saving faith. And that is the, the basis of everything where we start. Romans 1 verse 17. For in it, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith for faith. As it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. So we trust the promise that the Bible speaks about that if we believe in Jesus, that he died for us and he rose again on the third day, defeating death, defeating our sin in our lives, we are saved. The Bible says in Romans 10, 9, is if we confess it with our mouths and believe in our hearts, we are saved. That is as simple as salvation is. It's believing what Jesus says. It's believing what the word of God says. That is a saving faith. And then the second kind of faith is persistent faith. Everyone say persistent Colossians 2.6, therefore, as you've received Christ, Jesus as Lord, walk with him. There's, if we look at Hebrews 11, there's incredible stuff. It says, by faith, Abel did this. By faith, Noah did this. By faith, Abraham did this. By, by faith, uh, what's this dude's name? Isaac. By faith, um, 
I'm trying to pick up here. Abraham gets a lot of, and Moses gets a lot of mention here. Um, these guys did stuff in faith, that, and it even says they did not see the fulfillment of that promise. They saw part of it. So God promised Abraham his seed would be as numerous as the stars in the sky, but he only ever saw one promised son. And I think that's often how it works. There's, there's a down payment for what we're going to see in our future. And sometimes it's big for us, sometimes it's small, but God shows himself faithful to us. This persistent faith. And if you look at the legends in, um, in Hebrews 11, there's, there's a few things in common, and I really encourage you to go read through that. Um, it's, it's, number one, they all believed in God. It says of Abraham that he believed in God and was credited to him as righteousness. God just said, cool, that's, this is what I've said. I'm speaking to you. However God spoke to him, in the, whether it was directly with God's voice or it was a dream, a vision, or the Bible's not super clear. It just says God spoke to him. And um, whatever it was, Abraham believed God and was credited to him as righteousness. So there's, they all had belief in God. The second thing is they changed the world. If we believe what God says over our lives, and God is speaking big things over all of your lives, I, I, I really feel like, and I've said this a couple of weeks ago, but dudes, we need the guys, I'm talking to the guys here, we need to lift the lid of what we, th- we think about ourselves. Because God is thinking big things over your lives. He's thinking massive things. He's thinking exciting things. And I think we need to, we need to kind of get past all of our insecurities, part of, past all of our, our men's stuff, past our, our self-sufficiency, and start relying on Him more. So they all changed the world. The third thing is they all pioneered something that had never happened before in history. And God, the Holy Spirit, is, is, is ever expanding and ever growing and He's ever creating new things. And, and as I think as we start to have faith in God and this persistent faith that God will start to speak stuff over your lives that, that has never been done before. Some, God's going to call some of you guys to the mission field into difficult areas where maybe the gospel's never been preached to someone. That's what we want. We want our faith to grow together. And finally, how, do, how does our faith grow? I want to actually read something quickly. Could we put up that Hebrews 11.32, Johnny? Hebrews 11:32 it says and what more shall we say for time would fail me to tell of Gideon Barak Samson Jephthah of David and of Samuel and the prophets who through faith conquered kingdoms enforced justice obtained promises stopped the mouths of lions quenched uh, the power of fire escaped the edge of the sword were made strong out of weakness became mighty in war and put foreign armies to flight Women received back their dead by resurrection. Some were tortured, refusing to accept release so that they might rise again to a better life. Others suffered mocking and flogging, even chains and imprisonment. They were stoned, they were sawn in two, they were killed by the sword. They went about in skins of sheep and goats, destitute, afflicted, mistreated, of whom the world was not worthy, wandering about in deserts and in mountains and in dens and in caves of the earth. And for me, this is, that's, that's the result of men of faith, is that the world is not worthy of that. That God, God, I mean, John Piper wrote a book a couple of years ago called Don't Waste Your Life. 
And he, I think the, the kind of premise is this guy sitting on his yacht in his uh, late 60s, early 70s, and kind of counting all the money in his bank, and he just think, what, what did my life count for? God wants all of our lives to count for him. He wants all of us to, to step into this place where we have faith for impossible things. God, uh, the, Jesus says, with man this is impossible, with God all things are possible. And we need to be able to step into that place. So how do we grow? Number one, we grow by hearing the word. Preaching on a Friday, listening to sermons. I believe we should read the word out loud to ourselves at times. It may not work every morning. Some of you guys share apartments with people. Some of you have families and you're not able to. But I think we need to be able to speak the word of God over our lives, over our families, the promises of God. And it starts to build faith in us. Read your Bible with help. I, listen, uh, I follow this one dude on Instagram, and he gave a list of guys that he's like, I hardly read the Bible by myself. And I was like, what does he mean? He's, and then he starts to explain that he actually reads with, with people, who, with teachers of the Bible. So you've got, there's, there's great commentaries you can get hold of. The Bible Hub online, who's ever used that? That's very cool. Like, it's basically got about six or seven commentaries. It's got the Greek. It's got the Hebrew. I think we need to learn to become scholars of the word and understand not so we can be puff, puffed up, but so God has called us to do more, so we can have greater understanding, so we can step out and obey him more. There's the uh, N.T. Wright. You can jot these down. Bill Johnson, I love. R.T. Kendall, Michael Eaton, T.D. Jakes. That, uh, some of you may not be happy with that, but I, I think he's amazing. He's probably one of the best expositors of the word that I've heard. Um, Tim Keller. There's great, there's incredible, incredible people that we can listen to that we need help with in reading and understanding the Bible. Smith Wigglesworth says this. Um, Who's heard of Smith Wigglesworth? I think I'm just presuming that people would know. Okay, so he was a, a faith healer of like around the 1900s. Um, he, he was very kind of in, controversial of the day, but saw people raised from the dead. Uh, he would pray for people with cancer and it would fall off. And he's the guy that just said, only believe. If we just believe what God's word says, and uh, his wife reports about him, he says he never would read anything else but the Bible. They would have no newspapers in their house. They would have none of the stuff where he just read the Bible because he knows that that is where, the, where the, the strength lies and the truth lies. And he says this. He says, how shall we reach this plane of faith? He's talking about growing in faith. Let go of your own thoughts and take on the thoughts of God, the word of God. If you build yourself on imaginations, you will go wrong. You have the word of God and it is enough. We need to become readers and, and understand what the Word of God says. Color in your Bibles. Do what it takes. Go, go deeper. It just We cannot live um, on milk. The, the Hebrews talks about it. It says God wants us to graduate to solid foods, but yet we, we're still stuck on the, the basics of our faith. Go read that in Hebrews 5 and 6. And it's, let's just understand those things so we can move on to maturity and grow in Him. The second thing about how the word, uh, sorry, about how we grow in our faith is that we speak it out. And I've mentioned this already, but we speak, we pray, we sing until we see. We need to, we need to believe that God's word has power to change situations, that God's word has power. If I look at even salvation, all I say is, okay, if you want to give your life to Jesus, you believe that he died on the cross for you, 
your life is utterly changed. You, you're going to heaven. You're going to have a, a new resurrected body adopted as the son. You, your heart is changed from a heart of stone to a heart of flesh. You are, uh, you are, in that moment, everything changes just through belief. And I think that is the start of our faith, and we need to step out into more. This church plant started from a place of just speaking it out. We, uh, and there's, there's you guys and there's many more that, are, that have been affected by what has happened in this church. But Stahl and I used to drive down Sheikh's Side Road and we'd just talk to each other. So imagine we'd, imagine we'd lead our own church one day. And Stahl, because she's planted a church of the dead before, she's like, no, thank you. Um, but she loves it now. But, uh, and I, we just start to speak it out and we start to speak out what this church could look like. And what we're seeing now and what we're living in now is what we spoke about 10, 11 years ago, just driving along on a little X-trail on Shakeside Road, just declaring stuff of the promises of God. And guys, this stuff works. It's not, it's not some gimmicky thing that I'm trying to sell you. It's the Word of God, as you speak out what He's spoken over your life, it'll start to come into fruition. His will. Not us. <laughs> Sometimes that's where the confusion comes. God, I just want that thing, and I'm going to speak it out until I see it. And then you die, and you didn't see it, because God's just going, well, I wasn't telling you to speak that out, okay? So just speak out His Word, His actual Word. Speak out His promises over your life. God's Word that He calls us to speak and see in fruition is never just about us. It's about others. So if if your dream is to bless others, then you know you're already on the right track. I love Smith Wigglesworth. He's quoting someone else and he says this, never compare this book with other books. Comparisons are dangerous. He's talking about the Bible. Never think or never say that this book contains the word, uh, contains the word of God. It is the word of God. It is, in, it is supernatural in origin, eternal in duration, inexpressible in value, infinite in scope, regenerative in power, infallible in authority, universal in interest, personal in application, inspired in totality. Read it through, write it down, pray it, work it out, then pass it on. What we have received, we give. God has freely given, we need to give it out. And then the third thing, which I think is the most important. So we, we hear it, we, we speak it out, but then we obey it. James 2 verse 18 says this, But someone will say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith apart from your works, and I'll show you my faith by my works. The Word of God changes us so we, so we get into action. It has to work in through, into us, change us, mold us, so we can work out of us. God's going to call us to step into things that is going to take a lot of faith. He's going to call us to step into things that seem impossible in the natural realm. And we need to always keep our eyes. And my prayer for this church of late is God, give us eyes to see. Give us eyes to see of the future that you're writing for us. Give us eyes to see when no one else can see. That whole thing of Apple where you don't know, someone actually prophesied over it. I read it last week over us. People don't know what they need until you actually show it to them. So even God is going to call us to do new and inventive stuff in and through a local body, and it's going to reach many for Jesus. God, Smith Wigglesworth again, God wants daring men, men who will dare all, men who will be strong in him and dare to do exploits. Can we all stand, please? I want to read this scripture over us. I want to pray.
that we're going to brave ourselves for the camp tonight. Okay? And I really encourage you to go read Hebrews 11. If I read through it, we would still be here for the next 20, 30 minutes. But Hebrews 11 is just about the mighty exploits of those who had faith in Jesus. This faith for salvation, but a a persisting faith to say, God, we are going to go on this journey with you. I love 12 verse 1. It says, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and sin that clings so closely And let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, say looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that is set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of God. And as we set on as a a people of faith, and we're not just doing it, Mario, would you come and play a little bit? Um, I want to just give a bit of time for us to just listen to God at the end. But as we set out on a people of faith, we pin our faith to Jesus Christ. We don't put faith in faith. We put faith in Jesus, who is good, who is perfect, who will supply all our needs, who will lead us into a greater future, who will make us more like him, who, who will not let us go until he sees himself formed inside of us. And that's for me, is when we ask people to raise their hands and say, would you like to give your life to Jesus? It's simply this. I believe that he's real. I believe that he exists. I want, to follow, I want to follow after him wholeheartedly. I want him to change my heart entirely. So can we bow our heads together? Before I, I give time for us to just wait on God a little bit, just if there's anyone who's never surrendered their life to Jesus where you know that in this moment God is calling you. He's calling you out. He's, he's, he may be just a beating of your heart or, or a conviction of, of stuff in your life. And, and the amazing thing about the gospel is that when we put up our hands to, to him, not to me, not to anyone else, that in that moment he washes us clean. He says, though your sins are like scarlet, though they are dirty, it says, I'll make them as white as snow. Jesus' blood washes clean our sins. His body was broken for us. In ancient times, they used to look onto the place that we're standing in right now where we can have forgiveness before a holy God. And we can make right with Him in a moment. So if that is you, just while everyone's eyes are closed, would you raise your hand quickly? I'd love to pray with you if there is anyone. There's no pressure. It's not before me. I just want to give a moment. If that is you, just quickly, just so I can see. That's awesome. And what I encourage you to do, we've got a bunch of leaders that are going to be up at the front afterwards, some elders and some of the deacons and community group leaders. If you need to say, listen, I need to give my life to Jesus today, please come and talk to them. We'd love to pray with you. We'd love to give you a Bible and a little thing to start you on your journey. But Father, we just, we just wait in this moment for you. We thank you that you're with us. Holy Spirit, you are unchanging. 
Jesus, your word says that you are the same yesterday, today, and forever. Your promises are true. Just invite God. Just say, God, would you come, Holy Spirit, would you come and invade my heart?